like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, the last show of the 2022 season. Let's give ourselves a round of applause for making it to another year. Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. So, of course, New Year's Day is taking place on Sunday, and we've got some good stuff to talk about before Sunday happens, and we got some stuff you know, we want to talk about after Sunday happens or while Sunday's happening, whatever. I'm sorry if I sound a little energetic right now. I have a, a little bit of a cold sore on the inside of my mouth, and my mom gave me this thing of peppermint oil. And peppermint oil, according to the interweb, is the one of the most used oils in regards to healing cold sores. So let me just put it like this. I can smell colors. Like, I, I'm looking at my red Manchester United scarf that's sitting directly in front of me, and I can smell what the color red smells like, if that makes any sense. Like my, I just put it on my mouth. It's just like a little bit on my on the lower part of my mouth. Like on my, what do you call them, the upper and lower teeth? I don't, I don't know, the bottom teeth. Like that gum line right down there. And let me tell you this, since I've had my bone graft and had all that surgery done in regards to get my new, uh, my new tooth in, my gums on the bottom are freaking wreck. Like they are, it's scraggly down there because that's where they took, the, <laughs> that's where they went inside to take the bone out of my chin to yam that thing up into my gum line on the top part of my mouth. It's a little scraggly right now, but I got a little bit of cold sore there. So I'm in a, I'm in a pretty energetic mood right now. I could smell my sinuses have been, never been clearer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but also not just because of that, but because uh, we got a really exciting show today. And before we get into what our very exciting show is today, make sure you do some of the following items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, listener right now, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter, you can find me at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan, with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the Facebook page. Check out a few blog posts on there as well. We don't have any... Like, really, really recent ones, but we did a mock draft a couple weeks ago. When was that mock draft? When did we, it was before the bowl season started, but when was the exact date of when we dropped our pre-bowl season mock draft? December 16th. So, I mean, you can go, you can scroll back a little bit and go and check that one out if you haven't already. I, I think it's a good read. I think it's one of the better reads you can do. If you're just bored as hell and you got no plans on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, might as well just take the time to read this 44-minute blog post by yours truly. Read every single word. Now, if you're a fast reader, it could take a little bit of time. Now, obviously, the uh, the draft order is a little bit different, so <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna change a little bit over time. But just go and check that out if you want to. And then, of course, you're listening right now, so make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five star rating on both and leave a description down below and why you feel the way you do. Good, bad, ugly, don't care. Could be a one star rating, five star rating. Just let me know why you feel the way you do. Now. There is a, a couple things we could start the show off with, and I think there's no better thing to start off with than uh, Derek Carr. Now, this is a, a topic that's been brought up on the show quite a bit recently in the past. Obviously, we've had my friend Kevin on the show a couple times. He, he's been on the show once, but we brought him up a few times. Talking about Derek Carr being a Hall of Fame top five quarterback. I remember Colin Coward, before the season started, said Derek Carr was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Hall of Fame quarterback. Yes, you, you. I'm not mincing words there, and you can go look it up yourself. I'm not even. I'm unfortunately, I'm not making that up. That is a true take that Colin had. Now, though, I don't think Derek Carr is a, a is not by any stretch of the imagination a Hall of Fame quarterback. I do think he's a fine quarterback. And there was an announcement that was made yesterday 
that stated that the Raiders are benching Derek Carr and turning to Jarrett Stidham as their new starting QB. Carr has thrown a league-leading 14 interceptions, including three Saturday night and the 13-10 loss to the Steelers. Stidham has thrown only 61 passes and has never started an NFL game. Now, do I think Derek Carr has been bad this year? Yes, especially these past four games. You look at two losses that he had to the Steelers and the Rams, he threw one touchdown and five interceptions. He's not completed over 60% of his passes since November. And in those losses that we talked about where he threw one touchdown and five interceptions, they lost by a combined four points. And the defense allowed, what, 13 and 17 points in those games. And the defense for the Raiders have been bad this year. They've blown a lot of leads this year. But in those games, you cannot fault the defense for that. And the only reason they won against the Patriots is because the defense came up big and, you know, they had that weird-ass flip around. Jacoby Myers trying to throw back to Mac Jones. Chandler Jones picked it off and stiff-armed him to hell then turned it for a touchdown. And Keelan Cole, obviously, the non-touchdown that was ruled a touchdown on the play. So, really, the Patri- the Raiders should have lost three of the last four games. With Carr completing less than 60% of, his, 60% of his passes in all of those games and throwing one less touchdown. So it's, do I think Derek Carr's been bad? Again, yes. Especially when you look at what the Raiders have been doing offensively in regards to Josh Jacobs currently leads the league in rushing yards. Devontae Adams is, and we've talked about this before, there's very rare a position in the NFL, in sports in general, where everybody agrees on who the best at that respective position is. Like, people have their different conversations about quarterback, running back, every position in the NFL, wide receiver, everybody should know that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL. And this is not something new. This is something that's been the case for the better part of, what, four years? Three, four years? Like, ESPN, before this was released, stated that Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders had the best receiving core in the NFL. And I understand Hunter Renfro's been out this year. But you have, quote-unquote, the best receiving core in the NFL and the current league-leading rusher in Josh Jacobs. You really have no real excuses. I understand the defense is bad. I understand the offensive line's not great. But Derek Carr's been sacked more, less times than Josh Allen has this year. And we're giving Derek Carr, people are going on Twitter. They're, now, Derek Carr really divides opinions on social media. I personally don't think he's a bad quarterback at all, but I hate when people overrate average players. Or people make average players or all right players look like they're greater than what they are. Like, I don't care about Derek Carr's losses. Like, Derek Carr with 79 career losses, which I think is the fourth most all-time out of quarterbacks that have never won a playoff game. I believe that's what I, I saw it on Twitter this morning. I could be wrong about that stat, but fourth or fifth. I can't remember. Like, that's not what I'm concerned about here. He's not playing very good. And he's not the only reason. He's not even the main reason the Raiders are the way they are. Josh McDaniels is a dickbag of a head coach and just a dickbag of a person in general. And I would not be surprised one bit if Derek Carr forced his way out of Vegas this offseason. He's got three games left this year. There was some contract clause that he would have had to reach if he played these last games, so I think it's somewhat uh, financially motivated here as well to bench him. But he's not the main reason they stink. The Raiders stink for a lot of reasons. Derek Carr just happens to be one of the reasons that they stink. Like, I bring this... Kevin brings this up all the time because he loves himself some Derek Carr. And I always find it funny when players who... People who are not fans of a team love a player so much to where they're going to make outlandish statements like he's a Hall of Famer better than Josh Allen. I don't think Josh Allen's been at his best this year. We've said that numerous times throughout the show. That Josh Allen's not been on his best. And Josh Allen, not at his best, is still a top three MVP candidate this year. Like, Derek Carr has less yards, less touchdowns, more interceptions, has been sacked less, and everybody on Twitter still wants to make somewhat excuses for Derek Carr. He has the best receiving core in the NFL. 
arguably. I don't think he does. I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL, but we said on Wednesday's show that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell is the best receiving core in the NFL because both those guys are number one receivers. Hunter Renfro is not a number one receiver. Hunter Renfro is a very good number two wide receiver, and Devontae Adams is clearly the best wide receiver in the NFL. But I think Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill do things that no one else in the NFL can do, and them together makes them damn near unstoppable, which is what what has made Tua look and deceived people into believing that he was an MVP candidate or was one of the favorites to win MVP. And now he's out for the, at least this week, which is smart. Because, I mean, dude got three concussions in the span of 13 weeks. Yeah, he should be probably missing some game time, let alone maybe miss the entire year. And that's not even me just being a cynical Bills fan that once the Dolphins missed the playoffs because people said they were the best team in football, that they beat the Bills in week three. That's not even why I'm saying that. For Tua's long-term health, he needs to sit out this season. He needs to sit out. And Teddy Bridgewater is going to be starting against the Patriots this week, so we'll see how that one goes for the Dolphins. But he has Jalen Waddle and health, healthy Jalen Waddle and healthy Tyreek Hill. So I think a lot of people could work really, really well with that. Raheem, uh, Raheem Mostert's been playing really well recently. So they've got, situ- they've got the pieces there to do well. But back to Derek Carr, I don't know where he's going to go this offseason. Like, I've seen odds pop up on social media today of um, – Oh, where'd it go? Where will Derek Carr start next season? And the currently favorite, according to BetOnline underscore AG, I don't know how accurate this thing is. I didn't click on it, but I just saw it. It was the first thing I saw on Twitter when I clicked it, when I saw it. Uh, The Jets are the current favorite, followed by the Colts, Panthers, Bucks, and Saints. That is the top five. And the rest of it reads Commanders, Patriots, Texans, Titans, Cardinals, and uh, Packers. Okay, we can instantly rule out the Cardinals and Packers. I think those are two ridiculous teams to have right there. I don't think the Cardinals will be moving on from Kyler Murray after they just signed him to the second biggest contract in NFL history. First or second, I can't remember which one. Same thing goes for the Packers. Like, I think they're gonna if they were gonna go with anybody other than Aaron Rodgers, you would think it'd be Jordan Love, right? I don't think Derek Carr is gonna go to either one of those teams. All the other teams on here, I think, are viable options for him. Let's start off with the Jets. So the Jets, I've said numerous times I think they're gonna go after Jimmy Garoppolo. With Robert Sala there, with Mike LaFleur there, they have obvious connections with Jimmy Garoppolo. And obviously, Zach Wilson's not going to be the starter there next year. And out of all these teams, we know that the current starter of the Jets is the least likely to start out of all these teams that are currently on this list. Least likely. Because I could really see a reality where the Colts stick with Matt Ryan and then draft somebody and have him be an understudy to Matt Ryan. Or that's why they're starting Nick Foles. At least that's why you would assume so, because they're going to get really, really bad. And then you've got the Panthers. Uh, I mean, they're going to draft somebody. I don't know if he's going to start week one. Sam Darnold's currently there right now. Bucks, I guess we don't know because Brady's a free agent. Saints, I think Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston are free agents. Commanders, I don't know what their situation is in regards to free agency. Patriots got Mac Jones. They could be moving on from him this offseason, but I don't think it'd be for Derek Carr. Derek Carr. And then the Texans, no. No, that's not. <laughs> the Texans are drafting first overall right now. It's not locked up yet. It's not locked up yet, because remember, they they beat the Titans and the Bears lost to the Bills. So there's a one-game difference between the Texans and Bears for the number one overall pick. So that one's not happening. And the Titans, I guess maybe, maybe. Because Malik Willis, who we've talked about a lot on this show, who I really love Malik Willis, got benched for Josh Dobbs for uh, tonight's game against the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll see how that one goes. Aerospace engineering Josh Dobbs. I remember in high school, me and my friend Ryan had a job at least I had it would be in our uh, government class in the auditorium at the middle school because my chair broke and in the auditorium in the middle school we were separated by one chair 
And it was by last name. Ryan's last name is Vaden, so it starts with a V. Mine's Blackman, so it starts with a B. So I was in the front, he was in the back. But once my chair broke, I could go sit in the back. Because he wanted at least one spot in, to be in between each person. This was in 2015. And Josh Dobbs was a constant topic of conversation throughout those classes. And Josh Dobbs became my wallpaper for a little bit. And now he's going to be starting in the NFL. I don't know if he started in the NFL yet. This might be his first start. We have had a, a few quarterbacks recently making their first starts in the NFL that are not rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> Josh Dobbs being the latest one. Or quarterbacks, I guess we should say, that you did not expect to make their first starts this year. Josh Dodds being one of them, Trace McSwirly, Brock Purdy, who's been playing really well this year for the 49ers. We might talk about it a little bit later, I'm not sure. Well, we definitely will, we definitely will. But the Jets, again, back to the where Derek Carr will start, I don't think the Jets, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think they'll go after Jimmy Garoppolo with him being a free agent with that familiarity there in that offense. So I think they would go for Jimmy. Uh, the Colts, I think that's a very viable option. It's a very viable option, but again, I think with starting Nick Foles, you're looking at a reality where the Colts might be trying to tank for a better draft pick, because unlike some of the other teams in the NFL that are very, very bad and have quarterback question marks, they own their own draft pick. As we've talked about before, the other teams that we're mentioning here, the Rams and the Broncos, they they don't have their own first draft pick. They're picking, I think the Rams are now, uh, the Lions technically, are picking around eighth, I think, but the Broncos, aka the Seahawks, are picking third. Colts own the fifth pick right now. So I could see a reality where the Colts draft a quarterback and then bring in Derek Carr, but I think you'd rather, I think Jim Irsay, given how impatient he is and how many different starters they've had in Indianapolis since Andrew since Peyton Manning retired or since Peyton Manning left for Denver, like I think in the past, what is it, five or six opening days, they've had five or six different starting quarterbacks. I could be wrong. I know it's five or six. I can't remember what the exact number is, but it's one of those two numbers. So I would imagine Jim Irsay is wanting a new fresh face, a new starting quarterback for their organization, like a young guy. Like, if Bryce Young's available, because right now you look at the top five in the NFL draft, it reads Texans, Bears, Seahawks, Cardinals, Colts. Unless there's a trade up there, Bryce Young will probably be there at number five. And this is what we talked about before. I think Will Levis will probably go number one. And I just saw a thing the other day that an unnamed scout thinks that C.J. Stroud's the third best quarterback, or many, many scouts believe C.J. Stroud's the third-best quarterback in the draft class, which is what we've been saying. Anonymous NFC executive says he believes C.J. Stroud is, quote, the third-best quarterback in the upcoming draft. He ranked both Bryce Young and Will Levis above the Buckeye. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think that's outlandish. I think that's exactly what the situation is at this point. And we've talked about that before. So with Levis possibly going number one, I think Bryce Young, we've said that if Bryce Young was two inches taller, there'd be no conversation about who the number one overall pick in the draft would be. But since he's sub six foot and sub 190 pounds, people are going to start looking at how the longevity of that style of quarterback is going to work. And you look at what the quarterbacks are working. Now you got the Joshes, the Justins, the Patricks, and you're looking at Levis possibly going number one. So at number five with the Colts, you're looking at possibly Bryce Young. I don't think, again, I've said this before. We said this like the past however many weeks. I think the battle for the number one overall draft pick between Levis and Bryce Young. I think those are the only two guys in the conversation for the number one overall pick. At this point, that's obviously subject to change, but if I had to make a bold prediction right now, I think the combine might cause Stroud to slip a little bit more. Because once Levis, Stroud, or Levis Young, and um, Richardson start throwing the football, and Stroud's accurate, just doesn't have that crazy strong arm like the other guys do, that might cause him to drop a little bit. I'm not saying I agree with that, but I'm saying that's a very viable possibility 
given how people view the combine and how people want to be wowed by certain throws. Like, oh my god. Like, remember in 2017 or 2018 when Josh Allen launched the ball 70 yards? Everybody lost their ever-loving minds. Will Levis is doing that right now in all these different videos that popped up on my Twitter feed recently. I think that's a conversation. I think Will Levis would fit in really nicely with Indianapolis. And one of those two quarter, those two quarterbacks could be linked together for the rest of their careers. Draft at the exact same time, same division, rivals. Colts help. Colts might trade up in the draft. Because the Bears are sitting there at number two. Bears don't really have a number one need on their roster. I would personally just take Will Anderson and then move on. But given how the Bears have operated this season with the new GM and everything, they might be a viable trade option. Wouldn't be too surprised by that. And you're only moving back to five. But moving back to five, that's only three spots. You can get a massive haul for it. Like the Bears could get a pretty decent-sized haul for moving up to number five overall. Because the Seahawks, though I don't think they'll draft a quarterback, there is still that outside chance that could scare you a little bit to cause a team like the Colts or the Panthers to possibly jump up to two and trade with the Bears. So what that means for Derek Carr, I don't know. But I think the Colts would be a very viable option given their history, recent history, but I think Jim Irsay would want to draft his own guy, if that makes sense. It was a long-winded answer, but the Panthers, no, I don't think they'll draft a quarterback. I think I don't think the Panthers will move for someone. I think they'll just go with what they have and then draft a quarterback. Uh, Buccaneers, possibly, possibly, again, because Tom Brady's a free agent. Saints, possibly, again, I don't think the Saints and Bucks are out of the question. But I don't really I can't I just can't picture him playing for either one of those teams. Like the Commanders, I can picture Derek Carr playing for the Commanders. Jack Del Rio, his former coach in uh when they were in Oakland, is the defensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. So there's already that link there. I don't know what their relationship's like, whether it was good or bad. At least I think Jack Del Rio coached when Derek Carr was there. Hold on. Cause that would be very big if I just said that and it's uh not true. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, he definitely did. Yeah, he, he definitely did. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> Derek Carr has been there longer than uh than 2017. That's the last year he coached at uh, in Oakley. He coached from 2015 to 2017. So I don't know what their relationship is like over in, over in uh, what their relationship was like in Oakland. But I think like if you're looking at these teams, if I had to make a bold prediction for Derek Carr, I think the Commanders would probably be your most likely destination. If I had to make – just because that connection. I'm not saying that it will happen – and you listen to what like Ron Rivera has talked about with the quarterback situation. Like a few weeks ago, he bashed Carson Wentz, and they're, I don't think they're going to go into next season teeter-tottering between Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke for another year. They could. They could, but I think it's more likely that they go out and trade for someone. I, they might draft someone in like the second or third round as well because there's going to be some good value with some quarterbacks later in the draft, like second or third round area. Like Hendon Hooker will fall a little bit. Jaron Hall will be there. You could get Tanner McKee, but – I, if I had to make a bet, if I'm a betting man, I'm t- I, I would put money on Derek Carr to the Commanders, if I had to guess. But I do think the Colts are probably – I think the Colts' Commanders are the, the top two options for Derek Carr at this point. I could be completely wrong about that. Patriots, he was kind of linked with the Patriots a little bit, but I bet they're going to try and get back Tom Brady if they can. Maybe they go back and get Jimmy Garoppolo, or they just stick it out with Mac Jones. I don't know. And then the Texans, Titans, Cardinals, Packers, I, don't, I, don't, I can't see him playing for those teams. I can't. I, I don't know why, but I can't see. I can't picture that team. But with the Raiders now, with Derek Carr possibly being uh, traded away, which I think would just be the best move for both parties. I think it would just be the best move for both parties at this point. Because Derek Carr has taken time away from the team now since getting benched. I don't know who their third-string quarterback is. I know it's not Nathan Peterman. 
Because he's obviously in Chicago throwing an interception against the Bills. Just for old time's sake, throwing an interception against the Bills. We love to see it. But if Derek Carr hypothetically leaves, according to BetOnline underscore AG again, who will the Raiders starting quarterback be in 2023? Tom Brady is currently the favorite, and I think that makes a shit ton of sense. He wanted, apparently, you heard that you've heard the Tom Brady quote where he said, uh, you're really gonna stick with that MF? You've heard that quote before. It's been all over social media, all over YouTube, all of that stuff. Apparently, the Raiders were that team, and Derek Carr was that quarterback, according to recent quotes from Tom Brady, because Ryan Fitzpatrick thought he was talking about him. And he wasn't talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was talking about Derek Carr when they were in Oakland, or when they moved to Vegas or whatever. With Josh McDaniels being there, I could see that being a very viable option. With Mark Davis, though I think he's, and I I say this (laughs) in a very weird way, because... When you call a rich person poor, it's not really calling them poor. But when you're comparing them to their peers, I'm pretty sure Mark Davis is the second poorest owner in the NFL behind uh, Mike Brown of the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Goulas are up there for the Bills as well. I, I don't know who. I think he's one of the lowest. I think he's one of the, the poorest. <laughs> but he loves to throw big names. He loves getting big names. Loves getting big names. Brought in John Gruden from ESPN. Josh McDaniels is a fairly big name as well. Like Tom Brady would fit in with that category, and being 45 years old, Tom Brady could probably swindle Mark Davis into getting him some decent amount of money. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if Brady wound up being the quarterback of the Raiders, though he's linked a lot pretty heavily with the, the Patriots. But if I'm Brady, I'm just retiring. Like Tom Brady has absolutely nothing to do at this point. Tom Brady has accomplished literally everything. He holds every passing record. He holds the Super Bowl record. He does everything. He's the undisputed GOAT of American football undisputed so he doesn't need to do anything he's already lost his marriage he's already this is the first time in his career his teams have had eight losses in the season he's threatening to loot miss out on the playoffs the freaking Carolina Panthers of all teams one of the preseason favorites to have the number one overall pick I would just retire just retire it's not worth it anymore and the Raiders to be honest they have Devontae Adams they have Josh Jacobs Tom Brady is old as hell I don't know if that like I don't know I think the Patriot or the Raiders are more a viable option for Brady and what is more desirable for me. If I'm like I'm putting myself in Tom Brady's shoes. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm looking at what the Patriots have and look at what the Raiders have. Because those are probably gonna be the top two options if he doesn't go back to Tampa. Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, slash Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. I don't know if Waller is a free agent or anything, but you got those guys. Or you look over in New England, Ramondre Stevenson, Ramondre Stevenson, uh Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker. Who else say Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry? Which one's more desirable there? And there's other running backs on the Patriots as well, but those are their main guys. Which one's more desirable for you as a person listening to this right now? You would lean towards the Patriots. You would lean not the Patriots. I'm not, <laughs> no, you would lean towards the Raiders. So I wouldn't be really surprised if Tom Brady wound up there. And the Jimmy Garoppolo is number two on here because again, you got that link with Josh McDaniels. Obviously played under McDaniels when he was in New England. Started with the page started for the Patriots, I think five or six times. There's guaranteed four by or three, guaranteed three, but I think it was like five or six starts in there for Garoppolo. The connection's there. So with Garoppolo being a free agent, I think his top two options, we talk about Brady going to the Raiders or Patriots. You got Garoppolo, the Raiders, or the Jets. So it's just a matter of which one. I think Garoppolo will go to the Jets. That's where I think he'll go. But I could be wrong. Uh number three is Anthony Richardson. I think they're leaning at that as a second-round pick. I don't think the Raiders will draft a first-round quarterback. If they draft a quarterback, I bet it'll be in the second round. But then again, Josh McDaniels, when he was last time he was a head coach in the NFL, he traded up to draft Tim Tebow. It was like a third-round draft pick at the time. They traded up to 25 to get him. So 
Who the hell knows? I think Richardson, again, go anywhere from, what, 1 to 32. I think that's where he should go. I think he's a first-round quarterback. But, yeah, I think he'd be really high post-combine. And then we got Stroud coming in there at number 4. And then we got Will Levis at 5. There's no chance to get Will Levis or Bryce Young unless they trade up, which is, again, probably why they're starting Jarrett Stidham. Then Jarrett Stidham's there right below Levis and Lamar Jackson. And then Bryce Young, Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers. Again, once you get past Stroud, I'm just going to kind of rule out everybody else below that at this point. Maybe maybe they can convince Aaron Rodgers to come partner back up with uh, Devontae Adams. Maybe that's what maybe that will happen. I doubt it, but I think the Ra- the Raiders top two option are Brady Garoppolo. And I think so here so what you've taken away from that, Brady's top two options Raiders Patriots, Garoppolo's top two options Raiders 49ers. For Raiders and Jets, Raiders and Jets, sorry. And then Carr's top two options, Commanders and Colts. That's how I'm gauging this right now. I could be completely wrong. And again, I've stated this before. I'm perfectly fine with being wrong. I don't really care. Because <laughs> my input on the matter means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. But I, that would be my bold predictions at this point in time. And that, those are this is bet online underscore AG. This is like a draft network uh, betting source, I believe. But... Yeah, those are your top two, top viable options there, I would imagine, for each of those quarterbacks. And then you look at the other guys on that list or favorites to go draft by the Ra- or go to the Raiders. Richardson, I would lean either Panthers or Giants. I think Panthers or Giants are the top two options for him. Stroud, uh, I think the Raiders would be a good fit for Stroud. Raiders would definitely be a good fit for him. And then the Colts, but the Panthers will obviously be up there as well. But I think those are the top fits. Wise, Will Levis. Texans or Colts, I think it'd be fun with either one. I think seeing Levis with um, wow, Jonathan Taylor would be really, really fun to watch. Uh, Stidham, don't care. Uh, Lamar, just stay out of the AFC East. Don't care where he goes. As long, I would love him to stay in Baltimore because I like him in Baltimore. He's built his – like that team is built around Lamar Jackson. I saw a tweet the other day that said the Ravens offense is basically just Lamar go do something. That's pretty much what it is. And if he leaves, I don't know. Tyler Huntley's definitely not the guy to carry that thing forward. Tyler Huntley's fine, but Tyler Huntley's not Lamar Jackson. As much as people want to make that comparison, he's not. I don't know how the hell he managed to be a fourth uh, fourth uh, alternate to the Pro Bowl. Don't know how that happened. But, uh, yeah, Lamar, stay in Baltimore. I just don't want him to go to Miami or, New- or the Jets. I don't care. Bryce Young. I think same thing as Levis. I think I would. I well, I think the Panthers would be a better fit for him. But I, the Texans and Colts will draft Bryce Young. Texans or Colts. Texans or Colts will probably draft Levis at this point in time. Mayfield. I well, we're just going to talk about the draft picks. I don't really care right now about those guys. But uh, yeah, that's our situation with Derek Carr. I again, I feel kind of bad for Derek Carr because again, he's not the main issue there. He's played bad this year and has played really up and down, especially in these last four games. But he's not the main issue on the Raiders. He's not the main issue on the Raiders, and I hope he goes somewhere else and uh, gets a chance to just start over again. Now, with that being said, we brought up some quarterbacks on this list. I think it'd be pretty fun to go around the NFL, 1 through 32, and rank each quarterbacks live on this show, okay? I don't know how good this is going to be. I might absolutely despise this list, but we'll have to wait and see. So what the what we're going to do here, I've, tried, I've wanted to do this before, and I was thinking about this in the past. Remember when we did the TLBS staff, quote-unquote staff, quarterback rankings? Remember we did that back in the summer? Before the season started, top 10 quarterbacks. What I want to do, and I've kind of talked about this with um, when Zach and Kevin were on, 
loosely, but that show kind of went off the rails <laughs> towards the middle part of the show, and we just completely lost sight of what we were going to do. I'm going to go through, and I'm going to start with one quarterback. So let's start with let's just start with Mac Jones. He was the first quarterback to pop in my head for whatever reason. So let's start with Mac Jones. And we're going to name quarterbacks from his division. We're going to go division by division. And we're going to say, is he better than Mac Jones? So Mac Jones will be the starter right here. So Mac Jones is the middle guy. So Mac Jones, we will either say this person's better or worse than Mac Jones. If there's people below Mac Jones, we'll go, is he worse than this person? Is he worse than this person? Then we'll figure out a definitive list on who the best quarterbacks in the NFL are. I don't think this is going to be very – I don't. I'm not really excited for this because I think it would be a mess. But we'll just start like Josh Allen is the best quarterback in this division. The Tua's second. And this is going to be the guy that, like, I could go with, like, Mike White for the Jets, but we're going to go Zach Wilson because he started last. I know he's going to be done for the season, but we might as well. Zach Wilson needs the airtime. Zach Wilson's not going to get a lot of airtime in the near future. So we're gonna, we got to talk about him a little bit here. I think that's pretty easy. I think the AFC is pretty easy. So we're going to move on to the AFC North. I think that's a pretty fun one to start off with. Joe Burrow. Is he better than Mac Jones? Yes. Is he better than Tua? Yes. Is he better than Josh Allen? No. So see what we're doing there. Burrow comes in at number two right now. Then we've got Lammer Jackson. And we got to start that off. He's better than Tua. He's better than Tua. I understand Tua's had a nice season. Lamar Jackson's better than Tua. Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa. Then we've got Deshaun Watson. Based off this year, Deshaun Watson's been playing pretty bad. <laughs> I would put him better than Mac Jones, though. And uh, just naturally, I, this is sympathy. Well, I, I shouldn't really show a lot of sympathy for Deshaun Watson, should I? But um, I think Deshaun Watson as a quarterback is better than Mac Jones. I think the Patriots, they have to decide between Deshaun Watson just on the field stuff. I think they would decide between Mac Jones and T Deshaun Watson. They would take Deshaun Watson. Then we've got Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett has been better than Deshaun Watson and Mac Jones. Kenny Pickett's actually had a very solid season. He's had like some insane stretch of games. Without or same stretch of pass attempts without throwing an interception. I think what Kenny Pickett does really well, and we've talked about this in the show before, I know he's thrown nine interceptions this year. I know he's, okay, so he, he threw an interception last week against the Raiders. I guess I didn't even see that one. But I think I think he's fine. I think he's fine. You know what? Do I want to put him? Uh, that might be it. I mean, it's we're only at number five. This is obviously subject to change. Obviously subject to change. So uh, now we've got, we got eight quarterbacks on this list. Then we move to the AFC South. So on the AFC South side of things, let's start off with Matt Ryan. Has he been better or worse than Mac Jones? Has he been better or worse than Mac Jones? If we want to include, do we want to include Matt Ryan? Yeah, Matt. We'll we'll do Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, I think, is better than Mac, than Mac Jones. Has he been better than Deshaun Watson this season? What is Deshaun Watson? I don't even know what Deshaun Watson's numbers are. 703 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. He can play 48% oh, of his pass against the Saints. Against the Saints? Wow, that was a lot worse than I was expecting. Good Lord. I guess I didn't even realize that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'll move Mac Jones up a couple pieces. I'll move Mac Jones up a couple pieces. I feel kind of bad for him now. Deshaun Watson could come in at number seven. <laughs> okay. Um, but Matt Ryan, do I think he's been better than Mac Jones or worse than Mac Jones? We'll put him below Mac Jones. Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, even though he, he was a part of the team that lost 33-point lead. Then we've got Davis Mills. I think Davis Mills has probably been up there with Zach Wilson. He's probably closer to Zach Wilson than the other quarterbacks. 
I don't think Davis Mills has been absolutely like for playing for a garbage ass team. Davis Mills has a uh, 14 touchdowns, 13 interceptions this year. So do we want to? I don't know. This is always so. This is hard. This is kind of hard. Where do I want to put Mac Jones? I'm struggling where Mac Jones goes now because he hasn't been playing very good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Quarterback rankings are always tough, and especially since oh, we've talked about this before. I've I'm an insane overthinker. I'm an absolutely insane overthinker. So now I'm looking at this like, do I want to? Where do I want to put this guy? 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 Ooh, I like where this guy is. Oh no, I don't like where this guy is. I don't like where this guy is. But no, we'll we'll keep it, I guess. So Mac Jones will put him back down because I don't. He hasn't played good. I don't know why I tried to convince myself to move him up. He hasn't been playing good. So we'll keep him down at that uh that level, I guess we should say. So we have him down at number nine or eight right now. Davis Mills at number nine at this point in time. Even though I don't think Davis Mills has been absolutely atrocious this year. Hasn't been good though. And then we have got what else do we have? So we have the Colts, Texans, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence comes in at number five. He's been better than Matt Ryan. He's been a little bit he's kicked up a lot recently. He's been playing really, really well recently. So we're gonna put him at number five. And then finally we got Ryan Tannehill. Uh, where where do we put Ryan Tannehill? If we want to include Ryan Tannehill, he's been out for he's been injured a lot this year. He just got put on IR, 13 touchdowns, six picks. We'll put him above Matt Ryan. We'll put him above Matt Ryan. Because I don't think he's been that... He hasn't been bad. The Titans are so unwatchable. So unwatchable. One of the worst teams to watch in the entire NFL. Good Lord. So we got 12 quarterbacks here. We got four more left, and we leave the AFC West. So we have got Justin Herbert. Where do we want to put Justin? Because Justin Herbert... Uh, I don't... Hold on, what, is, what are Lamar's numbers this year? I guess I haven't seen his long. I, Lamar's been playing in a while, so he is questionable to play this week. 17, yeah, okay, Lamar's good where he's at. Do I think Herbert's been better or worse than Lamar Jackson? I'll put Herbert at four, or three. I'll put him above Lamar. I'll put him just above Lamar. And then uh, we've got Patty Mahomes. He'll be number one. Don't care. I I think his numbers are kind of speed. I know he's playing kind of a an easy-ish schedule right now. You look at all the backup teams he's played this year. But his numbers are still really good. He's probably the, he's the favorite to win the MVP at this point in time. Then we've got Russell Wilson. Russ comes in at they're like, oh, I, you know what? No, we're not going to be that mean. We'll put him. <laughs> we'll put him just above Zach Wilson. We'll put him just above Zach Wilson. So we got the Wilsons come bringing up the rear in this list. Then we've got Derek Carr. Okay, I don't think Derek Carr's been better than Trevor Lawrence, so he he comes in below that. Does he come above? He kind of fits right in that middle part. Somewhere with Lawrence Tannehill and Matt Ryan, he's somewhere in that category. We'll put him, we'll put him below uh, Trevor Lawrence for now. So we'll put it, he's at number eight right now. So out of the, all the AFC quarterbacks, he comes in right dead smack in the middle. So based off this year for the AFC side of things, this is how it looks for me at this point. We got Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Jackson, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Kenny Pickett, Deshaun Watson, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Russell Wilson, and Zach Wilson. Is there anything I would like to change at this point in time? Not really. Not really. I just want I want Lamar Jackson to be back. I like watching Lamar Jackson. I want him to be back. Do I want to put him below Herbert though? Do I want to do, do I want to do that? Uh, no, we'll keep Herbert above him for right now. 
I just looked at their numbers again. I mean, two, Herbert's got more interceptions, but Lamar's played a few less games. And Herbert hasn't thrown a touchdown. In the last three, four games, Herbert's thrown two touchdowns and has three interceptions. He's thrown an interception quite a, almost every game this year. Do I want to put Lamar above him or not? You know, we'll come back to that one. We'll come back to that one. I think they're going to be right next to each other the entire list anyways. So it's probably... I don't know. Well, we'll keep that. We'll keep it how it is right now. Moving over to the a- NFC side, starting off with uh, Jalen. Uh, we'll put Jalen at four. We'll put Jalen at four because he's been a MVP candidate more than uh, Herbert has this year. One of the favorites to win MVP. I think that he is more likely to win an MVP than Herbert is, obviously because he plays for a better team and they have a better record. And obviously, these individual awards are around a lot around how an individual team is versus how the individual player is. Because that could vary. That can completely vary on um, who could win the MVP. But it's usually the best player on the best team usually wins MVP. And Hurts has been the best player on currently the best team in the NFL. So, well, But I, I don't think just naturally he's better than Mahomes, Allen, or Burrow. I think those are probably the three best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Dak comes in next. I'm going to put Dak before below uh, Trevor. I'm going to put Dak below Trevor. I, I like what Trevor's been doing recently. Especially recently. Dak's been playing really, really well, and da- both of them have been playing really, really well this season. But I'm gonna go with a, uh, I'm gonna go with Trevor just, bu- just above him, just above him. Then we got Daniel Jones. Oh God, do we put him like right below Tannehill? Cause he hasn't been bad. Daniel Jones is just super limited to what he can do. I, uh, yeah, I'm gonna put him below Tannehill. Cause the problem is, uh, the problem is he hasn't been bad this year. But like in general, I would not. What's what are his numbers looking like? Thirteen touchdowns, five picks. When's the last time? So yeah, probably below Tannehill. Probably below Tannehill. Daniel Jones, Giants. Yeah, so that's what we're looking at with Daniel Jones right now. Then we've got who else is in the NFC? Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz? Who do we want to start there? If we go with either one, we really could go with either one there. Because Taylor, he- well, we'll go with Heineke. I like Heineke more than than Carson Wentz. So. What is Heineke's? What has he been doing this year? I know he just got benched. Twelve touchdowns, six picks. He hasn't looked bad. He hasn't looked bad. And in the game against the freaking Eagles, he played really, really well. Though he threw an interception, they got the big dub. He played. He played smart in that game. I thought he had a very solid game in there. But where does he go? Where does Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill? Because the problem is, do I? You know what? Uh, I'll put him below like. Because I wouldn't. I'm not really high on Heineke. I like Heineke. I, I think I put him and Wentz around the similar area, too. Do I think he's been better or worse than Mac Jones? I think he's had less stretches of bad play than Mac Jones has. I'm going to put him at 16. I can't bring myself to put him over like Watson or any of those other guys above him, so we're going to stick him there. So we got 20 quarterbacks down. Then we are on to the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers. Start with Rodgers. This year, he's been worse than Dak Prescott. There's not even a doubt of that. So he's been worse than Dak Prescott. Kirk Cousins, I'm going to put him just below Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to put him just below Trevor Lawrence. I think Cousins has been really good. He's helped me out in fantasy football this year. He got me to a freaking championship game. So I got to be. I got to show some respect to Kirk Cousins. Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Now, this is an interesting one. This is a very, very interesting one because Justin Fields, in regards to passing the ball, has not put forth like the greatest numbers of all time. But then you look at what the offensive line's looking like. You look at what the receivers he has. He's doing all right. He dude ran for a thousand yards this year. 
I've got to put him up there. I got to put him above Roger. I'm going to put him just below Kirk Cousins. I'm going to put him below Kirk Cousins. So I got him at 10 right now. I am at 10. And then we got Jared Goff. This is where it gets kind of interesting. Where would I put Jared Goff? Where do I want to put Goff? Because Goff's been kind of... I, I dropped Goff in one of my fantasy leagues. Or in the fantasy league that I have Kirk Cousins in right now. I dropped him in that one. But Goff's been playing well this year. Like 26 touchdowns, 7 interceptions this year. I'm going to put him I'm going to put him above Rodgers. Is that insane to have Aaron Rodgers the, the worst quarterback in the NFC North? Is that weird? Is that insane to do that? And you know what? I'm looking at this weird. I want Okay, I'm this is making me feel weird. I got to have Dak over Fields. I'm sorry. I got to move Dak up one spot. So, that's what we've got now. And then we got the what's the next what divisions have we not done yet? We got the NFC South. Oh god. Oh lord. Okay, can I come to this one last? I'm going to go to the South last. Uh, NFC West. Uh, we'll start off with Geno. We'll start off with Geno Smith. Started off the season really, really, really hot. Kind of cooled off recently, but still has put forth some very, very nice numbers this season. 27 touchdowns, 9 interceptions this season. I'll put Geno just below Trevor Lawrence. I'll put him just below Trevor Lawrence. I think he's been a top 10 quarterback so far this season. I think we got to put him at 9. And then we have got... Which one do I want to do next? Kyler... Where the hell would I put Kyler? What are his numbers looking like this year? I guess I don't even know. He obviously tore his ACL, so he's out for the season. And the Cardinals have kind of rotated quarterbacks at this point. It's 14 touchdowns, 7 picks. He obviously had that whole situation with Patrick Peterson. I can find him kind of annoying at times, but I think he's a very solid quarterback, a very good quarterback on his day. I will put Kyler Murray below Aaron Rodgers. I'll put him at 15 for now. I'll put him at 15. And he hasn't played in a couple weeks, so it's kind of hard for me to judge him fairly on that. Then we've got Baker, because Baker's a tale of two two halves right here. Because you look at what happened in Carolina. Dude sucked in Carolina. Dude was bad in Carolina. Got benched in Carolina. Obviously not the only issue there, but did not play well. Did not play well. Had, <laughs> had as many games completing sub-50% of his passes as he did completed 60% of his passes. And I know there's different variables that go into completion percentage, but he did not play well. He looked off. Like, in those games in Carolina, the ones he played, and he went one for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He won one game in seven in Carolina. But since transferring over to the Rams, he's been playing very, very good. He's been playing very well. So it'd be hard for me not to put him at, like, middle of the road here because he's been playing well, especially given the circumstances around him joining the team and all that stuff. I think I have to put it, give him a decent rating, right? I'm going to be somewhat nice to him. Or do I uh, – again, because the problem is – He's not play, he's played really just um where is not I just don't even know what his number full number 10 touchdowns 7 picks and it's really been heating up recently. You know what? 10 touchdowns 7 picks equals 17. We'll put him at 17 for now. And then we got Brock Purdy, Brockosaurus Rex, BCB, Big Cock Brock or Big Cyclone Brock as, as George Kittle said on a on Amazon Prime. Purdy's played well. Purdy's played very very well this year. And given the fact that he was not supposed to play a single minute this year, I'll put him in at number 15, which is very, which is not what I was expecting to do at the start of the year. I think he's been a very good quarterback this year. Obviously, he doesn't need to do a whole lot because the 49ers got a really good group of weapons around him, which is nice. When you're a young quarterback, you want to have at least the like little responsibility as on you as possible. But even given that, he's been playing very, very well with that. And then we finally got the NFC South. Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and Bucks. I guess we'll start with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been playing bad. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but on Christmas Eve, or on Christmas, Christmas, 
after the Bucks beat the Cardinals, people were going on Twitter saying, Tom Brady does it again. Come back. Late comeback victory. Comeback victory. Comeback victory for Tom Brady. Tom Brady sucked that entire game. Like, he did not play good at all in that game. He threw two really bad interceptions, and they scored 19 points against the Cardinals. It took him overtime to beat Trace McSwirly. Like, they, this is not per- – he did not play well. Tom Brady did not play well. He is not the reason they won that freaking game. <laughs> so you know what? Out of pure spite, I'm going to put him below Brock Purdy. I'm going to put him below Brock Purdy. If you would have told me that at the start of the season, I'd have called you crazy. I'd have called you crazy. Like, his numbers are not bad. I mean, 21 touchdowns, 9 picks, fourth in the league in passing yards. He's not playing very well. Like, you look at the past five games, he's thrown for over he's thrown over 40 passes in five straight games. And if you go back, he's thrown over 40 passes, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 times this year. So, of course, his passing yards are going to be freaking through the roof. Like even he threw 48 passes against the Cardinals at 281 yards. He threw 54 passes against the freaking Saints and at 281 yards and only scored 17 points. Like I and he got outplayed by Brock Purdy in San Francisco. I know the Niners defense no, the Niners have the best defense of football, but I'm put him below Brock Purdy just as spikes. I think it'd be funny to do that. Panthers. Do we is it Sam Darnold? Is that who we're considering here? He's played in four games this year. He's not thrown an interception yet, but he's still not very good. Um, We'll put him above Heineke, but below Watson. I think 25 for now. Am I missing somebody? Oh, I haven't even done the Saints. So the Saints, we got Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton hasn't been playing bad this year. Andy Dalton's just, just Andy Dalton. There's really no other way to put that. Andy Dalton's just Andy Dalton. 17 touchdowns, 8 picks this year. Not bad. We will put him above Matt Ryan, below Daniel Jones, Andy Dalton's Saints. And then the final quarterback that we have on here is is it Desmond Ritter. Is that the last quarterback we're going to do? Because Mariota's not on the team anymore, pretty much. And Ritter has not thrown a touchdown yet. He's played well. I don't think he's played bad in the games he's he's played in so far. But I don't really know if I can put him like much higher than 30. Like He hasn't done anything yet. So that is that the quarterback rankings for the season so far? Because he hasn't, he hasn't literally done nothing this season. So I I can't put him much higher than that. So those are your NFL quarterback rankings for this season. So the final rankings that I have before me read as follows. We have uh, Patty Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, uh, Justin Fields, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Brock Purdy, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Andy Dalton, Matt Ryan, Kenny Pickett, uh, Deshaun Watson, Sam Darnold, Taylor Heineke, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Desmond Ritter, Russell Wilson, and Zach Wilson. And I could really, you don't really need to, I'm not going to die on the hill that Zach Wilson's been that much worse than Russell Wilson because given the expectations for Russell Wilson this season, and him only having 12 passing touchdowns, which equals the number of bathrooms that he has in his house, it's kind of sad. But I think Zach Wilson is <laughs> – he's had the roughest time this year. He's had the roughest time this year in regards to uh, getting booed for Chris Strievler. So I don't think that – like, given how bad Russell Wilson is playing, I don't think anybody's cheering or giving a standing ovation to Brett Rippon. I don't think – especially not Dalton Risner. <laughs> But I do I have any changes that I really want to make here? 
Like any glaring changes? Not really. Maybe Mac Jones could be a little bit higher. I feel like that's a little bit mean to Mac Jones. I'll put him just below Deshaun Watson because I, I would take him over. So he had him 26. That's what we have for Mac Jones right now because he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good. So I, I'm going to have him at 26. Um, Yeah, so, okay, the adjusted one. Is there anything else I really am wanting to adjust here? Uh, Not really. So we got Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Hurts, Herbert, Jackson, Tagovailoa, Lawrence Smith, Cousins, Prescott, Fields, Goff, Rodgers, Purdy, Brady, Murray, Carr, Mayfield, Tannehill, uh, Daniel Jones, Andy Dalton, Matt Ryan, Kenny Pickett, Deshaun Watson, Mac Jones, Sam Darnold, Taylor Heineke, Davis Mills, Desmond Ritter, Russell Wilson, and Zach Wilson. So is that fair? Is that a fair quarterback rankings? I don't really think there's that. I, if I had to be pressed to like make any change, I could put Burrow or Hurts in top three. I could put Hurts top three. I could put Geno above Trevor Lawrence. I could put Goff a little bit higher. I I don't know. I really like Justin Fields, though. I really like Justin Fields. Um, Other ones that I'm really like hard-pressed on? Not really. I think the only ones that I really like could switch on is Hurts moving top three and Geno moving above Trevor. I think the top seven is fairly locked, but I think the rest of it is... I, I like it. I like that. Maybe you don't like it, but I I think that list is pretty fine. I think that list is fine. <laughs> now, uh, this weekend we've got some pretty fun games. We got some big time matchups this weekend as well. We got the Titans and Jaguars. Titans and Keys. Titans and Jaguars next week. We got Cowboys Titans tonight. And again, Josh Dobbs is starting this game. Josh Dobbs. I cannot reiterate that enough. Josh Dobbs is starting against the Dallas Cowboys in a really big game for the Tennessee Titans. Then we got Rams Chargers. We got Cardinals, Falcons, Bears, Lions, Broncos, Chiefs, Dolphins, Dolphins, Patriots, Colts, Giants, Saints, Eagles, Panthers, Bucks, Browns, Commanders, Jaguars, Texans, 49ers, Raiders, Jets, Seahawks, Vikings, Packers, Steelers, Ravens, and then game of the season potential right here. And I'm not even being sarcastic. Sometimes when I say that kind of stuff, I'm being sarcastic. But Bills, Bengals is an absolutely insane game. The over-under is 49.5 for this game. The Bills are currently a favorite. But a lot of people I've seen on social media are taking the Bengals in this game. And you know what? I don't – I'm not, like, insanely surprised that people are going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. It's in Cincinnati. The Bills, though they're winning – like, they scored 35 points against the Bears and played bad. Which I guess is a good thing and a bad thing. Like, you can score 35 points and not play at your best. What are you going to do when you're at your best? Like, the defense has been playing lights out. I think it'll be a very high-scoring game if I had to make a bet because you look at the Bills' secondary without Micah Hyde, Trey White's – currently not at his best he's still getting over the the ACL tear and then and I think it's more mental than anything he's healthy but he's just getting over the mental aspect of it which is fair which is fair but he's played well recently well enough he's obviously given up some catches but he's played well uh Dane Jackson has played bad the past however many weeks they're refusing to play Kyrie Elam because again we talked about this with James Cook they're babying him into the team Kyrie Elam is better than Dane Jackson like, I know we talk about James Cook being better than Devil Singletary when he gets opportunities. Who current James Cook currently leads the NFL rookies in yards per carry. So I think James Cook deserves a little bit more of an opportunity there. But Kyrie Elam is better than Dane Jackson. Kyrie Elam is better than James Jackson. And when you look at the Bengals, their secondary is nothing to be bragging home about either. Like, you look at their current secondary, they got Eli Apple and Cam Britt Taylor. Or Cam Taylor Britt, sorry. Uh, rookie from Nebraska. Who I like. I like Cam Taylor Britt. But they got Mike Hilton, Trey Flowers is also there. I like Jesse Bates, Von Bell's all right. Like their defensive line's good. Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard are very good edge rushers. 
but I think it's going to be a high-scoring game because the Bills' defense, apart from the secondary, really, which has been the strong point of the Bills' defense for God knows how many years now, like you look at the linebacking core for the Bills, Milano and Edmonds, and you look at the D line, how well they've been playing. Without Von, even without Von Miller there, they've been playing really well. Like AJ Beneza, right now, I think he has seven sacks on the season. Like he has seven. I could be wrong. I think he might have picked up one more this week. Hold on. Six and a half. AJ Beneza has six and a half sacks right now. One of the quietest six and a half sack seasons I've seen in a pretty long time. Like, Von Miller had eight before he got hurt. Rousseau currently has seven. Uh, Epinez has six and a half. Shaq Lawson has three and a half. Like, the Bills' rotational and defensive lines worked really, really well for them. And it's kind of a similar situation to the Bengals, too. Their D-line's been playing very well. Their D-line is really solid. Their linebackers are not as good as the Bills, but a solid enough unit. Like, the Bengals this year, they give up 20 points a game. The Bills give up 17 and a half. Yards per game, the Bills give up 336 yards a game. The Bengals give up 342. These are two very solid defenses here. And if the Bengals are clicking on all cylinders, they're scary. You've got, I know we talk about the best duo in the NFL being Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. The best trio lies in Cincinnati. Like, you rarely see teams with that deep at wide receiver. I know Vikings fans would probably want to bring up theirs as well with Jefferson Thielen and uh, KJ Osborne. But you look at Cincinnati with Chase, Boyd, and Higgins, you got 2,000 yard receivers, and I'm pretty sure Tyler Boyd, or uh, yeah, Tyler Boyd's had a 1,000 yard season before. I believe he has. He obviously got the Bills in the playoffs in 2017, <laughs> beating the Baltimore Ravens. Him and Andy Dalton, keys to the city in Buffalo. I don't know if they actually do, but deserve it. It's like the Bills are going to have a hard time there. They've got Taron Taren Johnson's playing as an elite best as usual. I think he's the best nickel corner in the entire NFL. I'm, I, that could be biased there, but I don't care. He's a very, very good corner. Jordan Poyer, the Bills are undefeated when Jordan Poyer has played this year. He's 11-0 starting this year with Jordan Poyer. They're 1-3 without him. And in this game, this is a massive game. It's a really massive game. So if the Bills lose this game, they go from the one seed to the three seed. Because the Bengals would have the tiebreaker over the Bills, and the Chiefs would have the better record. And then the Bengals win, and the Chiefs lose. Then the Bengals are the one seed, and the Chiefs are a three seed, the Bills are a two seed. So there's like a lot of different scenarios that could take place. Now, if the Bills win, it just stands pat. And we got, now, of course, the Chiefs lose, and the Bengals are up to the two, and Chiefs go to the four, or go to the three. And I'm pretty sure... Wait, no, 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 because the Bengals have five losses. Chiefs would have only four. But that would lock up the number one overall seed for the Bills. If the if the Chiefs lose and the Bengals – if the Bengals – if the Bills beat the Bengals and the Chiefs lose, the Bills locked up the number one seed in the playoffs. Because the Bills would have only three losses. Chiefs would have four, but the Bills would have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs since they beat them a few weeks ago. I don't remember what week that was exactly, but you're looking at two really, really good quarterbacks here, two really, really good offenses. The Bengals' offense unit, offensive unit is a lot better – then what the Bills' offensive unit is, like, you look at pound for pound, who are you taking? So, with the Bengals, you've got Joe Mixon and Samaji Piran, one of the best running back duos in the entire NFL. The Bills have Singletary and Cook. I love Singletary and Cook, but Joe Mixon and Samaji Piran are the best, one of the best duos in the league right now. And Joe Mixon's kind of been outshone by uh, Samaji Piran at times. And Devin Singletary, weirdly enough, has more rushing yards than Joe Mixon this year. Weirdly enough, don't know how that one's worked out, but he's managed, he's managed to have over he's had more yards than him this year. But I would still take uh, uh, Mixon and uh, P. Ryan. And then you've got, obviously, the receiving core of Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. The Bills' receiving core right now is Diggs, Davis, and Isaiah McKenzie. That's their top three guys. Like, Diggs versus Chase, that's a tough one. But Higgins over 
Higgins versus Davis and Boyd versus McKenzie, that's not close at all. Like You can make arguments either way for Diggs or Chase. I would understand both arguments either way. I would personally take Diggs just because I have a nice love for Stephon Diggs. But Jamar Chase, to me, is a top five wide receiver. So I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, ah, that is insane if you said Jamar Chase is better than Stephon Diggs. That is absolutely insane. You should be locked up in a mental institution. You freaking idiot. I'm not going to say that because it's not true because he's a very good wide receiver. That's a conversation to be had. Other two, not so much. You look at the tight end position, Dawson Knox versus Hayden Hurst. Who you got over that one? I think that's kind of like a, a what, do you call it? what do you call that? Coin flip? I, it's not what I'm looking for here. What do you call it? It's even line. It's an even line. It could go either way. It could really go either way. Don't Hayden Hurst is older. I mean, Hayden Hurst was damn near 30 years old when he got drafted by the Ravens in 2018. I don't know how old he is now. He looks 40. He ain't 40, but he looks 40. And then you look at the Bills off to the line. You look at what the Bengals did improving their offensive line this year, though Lyle Collins is out injured. Like, Jonah Williams versus Deion Dawkins is close. Who are the other options for the Bengals? I don't know their offensive line, like, off the top of my head. So you got Jonah Williams, uh, Cordell Volson Volt- is there as well, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and uh, Hakina Jemmy. Had an easy. I think that's how you say it. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. And then Lyle Collins obviously would be the starter there. He's been starting all year, but he's a Torrens ACL. That one's close too. That's a close unit. I think the only person on the Bills that I would guarantee take is well, it's not even a guarantee because Ted Karras is a good center. But I like I'll take Mitch Morse. I'm confident saying that. Alex Kappa, I would take him over Ryan Bates at right guard. I would take Saffold. Jordan Williams versus Deion Dawkins is a close one. I'd probably lean towards Dawkins. Collins versus Spencer Brown, I'd biased aside with you and I going to classes with him, being like best friends with him, stuff like that, you know, me and Spencer Brown tight. Uh, I would probably lean towards Lyle Collins. But, uh, yeah, it's a close one between the Bills off the line and the Bengals off the line. Then you, so like offensive unit, I, I would take the Bengals over the Bills. You look at the, the units throughout the entire NFL of the top teams, the Bills, apart from Stefan Diggs, do not have other elite weapons or other top-tier weapons on their roster. They have solid weapons, solid weapons, but nothing to Stefan Diggs' level. Like, the Bills' rushing offense is so highly ranked in the league because Josh Allen pushes the rush offense high. Without Josh Allen, Lord knows how bad the Bills' off- rush offense would be. Josh Allen's almost uh, 800 yards this year. I don't know what the exact numbers are this year for rushing yards. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, okay, he's at 746 yards this year. He is, quick math, he is 18 yards away, 17, 18, no, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> 17 yards away from breaking his all-time record for yards in his season. And he's got, he's got freaking seven carries to go. So if he can get 17 yards to seven carries, which is very possible for him, he averaged 6.5 yards a carry, so I think he should be able to get that. He would break his current record for rushing yards in the season, and... With that, he's only two rushing touchdowns away from passing, or three touchdowns away from passing his current career high in rushing touchdowns this season when he had nine in 2019, which is the second least amount of yards he's had in the season. But, yeah, it's a it's a fun one. It's going to be a very, 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 very fun one. I would take Josh Allen. Like, if I'm looking at the quarterback rankings again, would I trade Josh Allen for Patrick Mahomes? No, I would not. And that's, that might sound crazy to a lot of people out there. I would never trade Josh Allen. I wouldn't trade Josh Allen for anybody. And I would hope most Chiefs fans would say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. Like, when you have a quarterback at that level, like, I think at their best, there's no one that can reach the levels of Mahomes and Allen. And I understand where people's like, Brady's told me this before. 
Bills need to go out and win something before you start considering yourself up there with the Chiefs. I understand that, but just off of individual talent level, Mahomes and Allen are on their own stratosphere at this point in time. I don't think there's others that compete. Like, we obviously talk about Burrow, Herbert, Hurts, Lamar. Like, they're all going to be mentioned up there. But I don't think that – before you say it, I know Lamar's peak was a unanimous MVP second ever to do that. But Josh Allen's currently past that Lamar in regards to total game. Lamar still has some things to work out in his passing game. And I don't think that – I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Lamar can't throw the football. Because if you have one elite trait like Lamar does where he's the most electrifying player in the NFL, I can take the inconsistencies in the pass game. I can take that because you're so much more elu- – you're, you're the most elusive player on the field at all times. Like with Dan, with um oh crap was it Dan Reeves with the Atlanta Falcons when he had when he was coached Michael Vick when Michael Vick first broke in the league he said if they're all sitting back they're not covering you and they're playing man to man and they're not covering you or it was I can't remember what exactly the quote was but that's what Lamar is and that's what we said before the Bills and Ravens run a similar ish style of offense we're not necessarily the same plays but hey Lamar hey Josh go do something <laughs> that's basically what both teams run. But with this Bengals-Bills game, there's a lot of implications here. And I think it's an implication for both these guys, quarterbacks as well because this will probably decide who finishes second in the MVP race. Depending on how long Jalen Hurts is out for. I don't know how long Jalen Hurts is going to be out for. But really, this is to decide who the top two guys in the MVP race are. And I think Allen is better than Burrow. But that's no slight on Burrow. I'm not, I don't want to sit here and slight Burrow. I think Burrow is it I think it's funny I've talked to my dad about this before. People always compare Herbert and Tua and never bring Burrow into the conversation because <laughs> Burrow is on his own level. Joe Burrow is by himself. Like I love Herbert. I I like Tua before people started bash or started calling him those aggregate quarterback in NFL history and stuff like that. And people start comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. I'm fine with Tua other than the the idiots that throw that on him. They don't bring up Burrow because Burrow is so much he's better than both of them. He's better than both of them. There's so much, like, Herbert, for how how talented the dude is, Herbert is so up and down from time to time. Like, there's no reason he should have not thrown a touchdown pass against the Colts. There's no reason he shouldn't have thrown a touchdown. And you can say the argument about Ju- Keenan Allen should have had a touchdown. There's no reason he shouldn't have thrown a touchdown pass against the Tennessee Titans. So, like, there's, you won't have that Bur- with Burrow. Like, Joe Burrow is an insane quarterback. And as long as – I said this to my dad at the start of the season when he was getting murdered, when he had 13 sacks the first two games. As long as Burrow's up, they have a chance. As long as he's able to walk, the Cincinnati Bengals have a chance of winning games. And they've done that. And the Cincinnati Bengals have only gotten better. They're currently 11-4. and four. They're 5-1 and one at home. The Bills are 6-2 and two on the road. Bills have had <laughs> a shit ton of road games this year. <laughs> Obviously the snow stuff. But, yeah, this will be a fun one. Fun one. ESP, this is the best ES, the best Monday Night Football game of the year. Potentially. At least pre, pre-game pre matchup, just looking at it from that aspect, this is the best Monday Night Football game we've had this year. And it's, it's, it's insane that it's this late in the season. And it's insane that no other team, like, almost all the other teams are playing division games. <laughs> and the Bills and Bengals are just chilling and playing each other. But uh, with this NFL week, we have got uh, Cowboys-Titans. What are we going to call this game? Again, this is kind of like the... Kind of like the battle for the Houston Oilers. We had the Texans Titans last game with the Texans won. The Houston team won. The battle for, I mean, the Texans owner was, um, uh, no, Tex Ram was Cowboys owner. What do we want to call this one? Uh, Chrome Dome Bowl would be really fun, but, jo- but Dak Prescott, does, he has hair. Um, 
I don't know. What do we want to call? Did they play each other in the SEC? Because Dak Prescott went to Mississippi State, Josh Dobbs went to Tennessee. I don't know if they played each other. The SEC Bowl, I guess. I don't know. I have nothing else there. Chargers Rams, <laughs> the battle of the second favorite team in Los Angeles because the Raiders are the favorite team in Los Angeles. Then we got Cardinals Falcons. Um, <laughs> battle to see who could be the worst bird team in the NFL this year. Uh, Bears Lions. Wow, we're kind of <laughs> we can be somewhat fun to watch on offense sometimes. Bull somehow Broncos Chiefs. How was this game fun last time we played, Bull? Like, the Broncos came out to play. The only time they showed up this year at all was in camp when they played the Chiefs early, like a couple weeks ago. Only time they've showed up this year. The Chiefs are 12.5-point favorites this one. How the hell was the last game fun, Bull? We got the Dolphins-Patriots. Um, It'd be kind of funny if the Patriots won this game and passed the Dolphins to playoff standings after they were ranked the number one team in the NFL after beating the Bills Week 3, Bull. I think it'd be kind of fun. Then we got the Colts-Giants. Was this the greatest game ever played? Was that the greatest game ever played, Colts Giants? First televised game, or first televised, yeah, it was the first televised football game ever, right? Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The greatest game. And not the movie with Shia LaBeouf. Not the movie with Shia LaBeouf. I believe it was the first game ever played. First first televised game. Colts versus Giants. NFL Championship game, 1958. First NFL playoff game to go to sudden death. Okay, well, where there was something else in there too. I think it was the first game ever played on TV. Hold on. Okay, here we go. We might have had it. A major reason the game was tell. Okay, in the beginning, of NFL's popular surge and rise of U.S. sports. A major reason was the game was televised across the nation on NBC. Where I was, I I was fairly confident. Sun. Yeah, it was the first overtime game. And it was a boring ass game. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. This was not like an extremely exciting football game. It had, I it, I believe it was the first. I keep saying this because I'm trying to convince myself that it actually is true. But I, jeez, player shares the gross receipts for the game, including two hundred thousand for radio and television rights, were over six hundred ninety-eight thousand, the highest to date. Six hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars. For a game share for the NFL championship game. Good lord, how times have changed. Each player on the Colts <laughs> each player on the winning Colts received this is insane. $4,718. Equivalent to $44,000. The Giants players received $3,111 each, equivalent to $29,000. Good lord. Good lord, how things have changed. How things have changed. There, okay, I need to look this up. First televised game. Had to be, right? First televised champ. First televised NFL game. Oh, no. That was between uh, the Eagles and the Brooklyn Dodgers, as I expected. <laughs> First uh, televised championship game. Eagles and Chicago Cardinals. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Forget I said anything about that. But uh, yeah, greatest game ever played, Bull. And it's a, it's built up to be the exact same game as well. Daniel Jones versus Nick Foles. Same thing. Saints Eagles. The thanks for the top five pick, <laughs> Saints Bull. Uh, or I guess not top five pick anymore, but was once top five pick, top ten pick. Panthers Bucks. 
weirdly, this is a divisional championship game. Could be. Like, if the Panthers win, I think they go to first in the division, which is insane. The Panthers were number one, were one of the favorites to have the number one overall pick. The Bucs were one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, and now they're competing for a division title, which is insane. Then we got the Panther, the Browns and the Commanders. Who's the most controversial team in 2022, Bull? Because obviously the Sean Watson thing and obviously the whole Daniel Snyder situation and the t- name change and everything. Controversy, Bull. Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Houston Texans. Um... We are the new Jaguars of the 2020s. Because <laughs> remember, there was a stretch where the Jaguars went like five or six years drafting in the top five. That's kind of the situation the Texans are currently in. Then we've got when they have a top five pick. When they have a top five pick. Then we have uh, the 49ers versus the Raiders. Who's the most popular team in California? Because it's those two. Then we've got the Jets and Seahawks, the Jamal Adams trade bowl. Worked out well for both of us. We're both sitting at seven and five. Then we got the Vikings and Packers. If it weren't for the Bills and Bengals, this would be the game of the week. Very big game here. The Packers are on a nice little streak right now. If they keep winning, they make the playoffs. The Vikings could end every dream ever the Packers had this year in one game, which would be really funny. And Steelers and Ravens, this is probably going to be a very boring game pool, if I had to imagine. The over-under is 35. For an NFL game, 35 points. The only other game that I could see that's under under 40 is the insane Colts-Giants game, which, yeah, I'm not surprised by that one either. And then we got the Bills-Bengals, battle for the number one overall seed bowl, or battle for second place in the MVP bowl. <laughs> and uh, while we're on the topic of bowl games, might as well just go over a couple bowl games. Now, that Oregon, so Oregon and uh, North Carolina played last night. The game was freaking awesome. And, uh, I mean, very, very boring fourth, third quarter. Very boring third quarter. Didn't score a single point in the third quarter. But there was a <laughs> – first time I've ever seen this, but like, you can uh, tell me if you've heard this before – the North Carolina returnman put on number 42. Threw a jersey on over his jersey. Jersey wasn't damaged. You see players putting on jerseys after they get like blood on them or tears in them and stuff like that. No. His jersey was fine. They just threw a baggy-ass jersey over his current jersey. And then the Ducks punted. And uh, since he did not report, apparently, that he was changing his number, the Ducks got the ball first and 10 after the punt. Like, I'd never heard of that before. And Joel Klatt was astounded by that. <laughs> but this was a really fun game. Drake May played a really, really good game. He's going to be a top pick in next year's draft. Caleb Williams and him will be competing for the number one draft pick next year. Right now, the favorite's Caleb Williams, and rightfully so. But Drake May is not going to be far behind. And Bo Nix, he'll be a – he's in the competition to be a first-round draft pick next year. I would imagine at this point we're looking at probably a second-round pick. At this point – but I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck into that first-round conversation. But that was a great game. That was a great game. Then we had Arkansas-Kansas. What a weird-ass game. What an absolutely insane game. Weird refereeing the entire time. Arkansas came out on top, which <laughs> Ryan, who we brought up earlier in the show, big-time Arkansas fan, was not really happy, but accepted the win. And uh, they won 55-53. The score at halftime was 31-13. to 31-13. And then we went to overtime. And the score ended up being 55 to 33. And not just one overtime. Not just two overtimes. But three overtimes. And KJ Jefferson had himself a game. He had a 287 yards passing. He had 130 yards rushing. Two touchdowns each. So he had four total touchdowns. Jalen Daniels. I don't understand the decision making here. Jalen Daniels had 544 yards passing this game. Five touchdowns. Not to mention he had 21 yards on the ground with a touchdown there as well. Throw two interceptions, but that's whatever. Why did you take the ball out of his hands on the final two-point conversion? Why, why was the ball out of Jalen Daniels' hands? Did I miss something? 
was there an injury that I wasn't aware of? Because that was a, a really weird, um, th- that was a really weird situation. It was a really, really weird situation. Maybe I'm just completely oblivious to what happened, but under my, I like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was a really, there was a couple times where it was kind of, kind of, I believe it was that one, right? I believe it was that one. Unless I'm completely forgetting about it. Yeah, yeah, it was that one. The last play of the game. I don't know why that was a play call, but congrats to Arkansas on winning the bowl game and limiting the Liberty Bowl. Then we had, what other games we had? We had Texas Tech beating Ole Miss, which was a very fun game. Maybe Texas Tech scored 42 points. And then, yeah, Tyler Show, 111 yards. I guess I didn't even realize that. 111 yards, two rushing touchdowns for Tyler Show at 242 yards passing as well. Tyler Show. I, I like Tyler Show. I do like Tyler Show. He's just been battling a crap ton of injuries recently. And then were there any other games that are really, really mind-blowing? Duke beat UCF 30-13. to Then we have some games today. We have Syracuse losing to Minnesota 28-13. to Currently, there's six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Minnesota's had their finger on that the entire game. I mean, Syracuse scored late, late in the first half to get it to 14-7. to So you're like, oh, they're going to carry momentum in the second half. And eh, they really haven't. Now, Muhammad Ibrahim has broken two Minnesota records. Rushing yards in a season and rushing yards for a career. So congratulations to Mohamed Ibrahim for doing that. Congratulations to him. But, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty dominating game. Uh, Kalamakis got hurt, so Tanner Morgan had to come into the game. So, yeah, 28-13 is the score there. It looks like it's going to be final. I know it's six minutes left, but I'm betting on Minnesota to win. That could be – hey, you know what? That could bite me in the ass, but I don't really care because I, I hate Minnesota, so I wouldn't really be upset about that. Then we have Oklahoma-Florida State. Florida State should kill them. And then we got Texas and Washington – it should be a really good game. That game's at 8 o'clock. So when you're trying to decide between watching Josh Dobbs versus Dak Prescott, God forbid Cooper Rush plays, or Michael Penix versus Quinn Ewers in the 30th anniversary of the Alma Bowl, I think is what I saw. I like both those quarterbacks. Michael Penix has been awesome this year for Washington. It's been really good to see since his last year. Indiana was complete ass. So I'm happy that he's come back to Washington this year and played well. Roma Roma Duze, a Dunze, sorry. Has been playing awesome this year as well. He's been one of the best deep threats in college football this year. I'm excited. I, that game will be fun. That game will be really fun. And the game I know you're all really excited about, though. We got some games coming up on Friday as well. We got Maryland, NC State, Pitt, UCLA, uh, Notre Dame, South Carolina, Ohio, Wyoming, and Tennessee, and Clemson. All very, very exciting games. Tennessee and Clemson both playing with quote unquote backup quarterbacks. DJU is transferring to Oregon State, and then Hendon Hooker's out with the ACL tear. But that should be a really fun game. But on Saturday. Those are the games that you're really concerned about. You got Oregon, or Oregon, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Alabama, Kansas State, and the game you're really caring about at 11 o'clock Central Time, Iowa versus Kentucky, with backup quarterbacks on both sides. Apparently, apparently, Iowa has been running sets with Sam Laporta at quarterback. I'm not joking, I and mean, I'd be pretty cool with that. I think it'd be kind of fun to see Sam Laporta randomly play quarterback. That'd be really fun. I expect Iowa to win the over-under 31. I wouldn't be surprised if this game was like four, like 10 to 7 or 14 to 10 or something real. I don't think this game will be score, high scoring at all. Like you look at these two offenses when they got their all their starters, 17 points per game for Iowa, 22 points per game for Kentucky, and they got 14 points allowed by Iowa this year on average. Kentucky's got 19. So these defenses, they're like you got Mark Stoops, the coach of Kentucky. He's an Iowa guy. So very similar in regards to their ethos. But 
yeah, it's not going to be a very high-scoring affair. And I would imagine that I think Iowa should win. I think Iowa should win. Iowa got some big news that Nico Regani's coming back next year, which is big for Cade McNamara. Apparently, uh, Spencer Peters is coming back next year, but more in um, what do you call it? Uh, not an administrative role, but like as a player coach role, like in pads, but with a headset on. Like he's not coming back to play, as far as I can tell. But I'm, I think that's a really good role for Peters because all things considered, he seems like a really good person. He seems like a good teammate and everything. He's not a good quarterback. We've under, we've got we've gotten that one figured out, but he seems like a really good person, and yeah, he'll go down as one of the if not the worst quarterback in Iowa history. But I think he's handled it with the scrutiny and everything as well as one can. He's answered every single question he can about the situation. He's not backed away from anything. He's been pushed to the firing line by his offensive coordinator, who has refused to pretty much answer any questions about anything. But uh, yeah. His career did not pan out the way anybody thought it would when everybody said that, oh, he broke all Jared Goff's high school records. But he seems like a good person. I think he'd be a good coach, but he ain't he ain't the best quarterback. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for what Cade McNamara can do next year. We'll see what he does. Some Iowa just needs to have average quarterback play, and then can go far. They can win 10 games next. What's their schedule currently set at next year? What's their schedule set at? So Iowa's set. Oh, it doesn't even have next year's schedule. I guess it hasn't been. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen stuff about it. But regardless, um, I'm excited to see what Iowa can do next year. It can't be much worse offensively than what it was this year. Defensively, they're going to be fine as usual because it's Iowa and they always have very, they're very sound defensively as always. But um, yeah, I do expect Iowa to win. I do expect Iowa to win this game against Kentucky. And it, revenge on last year's because Iowa got absolutely shite on last year by Kentucky. So I'm, I want to see Iowa play better in this game and with Kentucky playing with a backup running back and a backup quarterback the two people that killed them last year along with Wondell Robinson who's also not there he's with the Giants right now that's very big for Iowa I know they don't have a lot of options on offense and the defense is still really really good but I think uh, yeah Iowa will win I don't Iowa will cover Iowa will win I don't think they'll cover this I think they'll they'll bet the under Iowa two and a half take Iowa two and a half bet the under that's why I would take away from that. In regards to the national championship games, uh, I we said this on Monday with Brady. I think Michigan will win, and I think Georgia will win. I don't think Georgia will have too many fr- uh, too many issues here. I think that Ohio State game will be fun because you look at what LSU did to them in regards to passing the ball, even with their backup quarterback. I think Ohio State could do similar ish things, but like we've talked about before, Stroud can get kind of antsy at times. So if Georgia can apply pressure, which we know they can. This could be a long day, but I think if they just if if Ohio State can air it out like they can as well, this could be a close game. I think Georgia will win because again, look at what happened in the LSU game. LSU put up forty points and had five hundred yards passing or something like that, and Georgia still won the game. So Georgia is capable on offense. They're not going to do anything special, but they are more than capable to beat you on offense. But it's just a matter of Ohio State can. Um, Stay the course the entire time, I guess. And then the TCU-Michigan game, two similar-ish teams. I don't agree with Sonny Dyke saying that if you stop Michigan's run game, they have no offense because they proved that against Ohio State. They proved it easily against Ohio State. Killed Ohio State. I don't like coaches adding fuel to the fire. Players are coached adding fuel to the fire that are not necessary, and it's going to come back to bite them. Yes, remember when D- Dabo Sweeney said Ohio State's not even a top-10 team when they ended up going out and thrashing them in the college football playoff when Justin Fields broke his ribs? and gave out all their energy in that game, and then it ended up getting blasted in the national championship game. But things like that, especially for a national championship game, don't say that. 
or a semifinal game, whatever. It doesn't matter. Don't say that. I would love to see TCU win because I'd love to see the Iowa and Max Duggan go far. But I'm going to go with Michigan in that game. So I think we're going to have a Georgia-Michigan final. I think Georgia's going to win in the national championship game. I think Alabama will beat Kansas State. I think that'll be fun. But I think with Bryce Young and Will Anderson playing, I think that's big. I think that's really, really big. Uh, if Bryce Young wasn't playing, I might sway towards Kansas State. But Bryce Young is playing, and he's one of the best quarterbacks the college fo- in college football when he's playing, when he's healthy. And Alabama only really works this year when Bryce Young is playing and firing on all cylinders. So if Bryce Young is playing, I have a hard time saying Kansas State's going to win this game. But, hey, they they played upset before Kansas State. They played upset. Like, they, just beat Can- they just beat TCU a few weeks ago. So I, it's possible, but I'm going to go with the Crimson Tide in that game. But there's some fun game. We got UCLA, USC versus Tulane. Freaking awesome. USC's a two-point favorite against Tulane. That's freaking insane. I love that game. That game's that's my favorite bowl game. That's my favorite bowl game. Before the bowl season started, like with with the games that are left, my favorite bowl game has been Oregon, North Carolina. I've loved that game. Obviously, like Arkansas, Kansas was a fun one as well. But Oregon, North Carolina was just a quarterback play. I like both. And I I know, I know what you're gonna say. Jalen Daniels and KJ Jefferson put up better numbers than Drake May and Bo Nix. I understand that, but I like both those quarterbacks more. I like both those quarterbacks more. Other games that I've been really happy about, remember we talked about East Carolina and Coastal Carolina? What we learned about Coastal Carolina this year is they either win by a lot or lose by a lot, and they proceed to lose by a lot, losing 53-29. Other games that I really liked, I mean, Houston, Louisiana with Hawk. I mean, that was kind of fun. And then, that's, I mean, there's not really, hmm, Washington State, Fresno State should have been more fun, but it wasn't. Uh, I think I, we, we got some good games coming up. We got some good games coming up. I think this Texas-Washington game is going to be really, really fun. Over-under in that game, 66 and a half. It's going to be fun. That's going to be a really, really fun game. Other games that I'm excited about that are coming up. Maryland-NC State would have been fun if Devin Leary was playing. UCLA-Pitt can be fun, but Bill uh, – um, Wow. Keaton Slovis is not playing this game, so that'll be interesting how that one goes. So UCLA should win that one. South Carolina Notre Dame could be fun. Wyoming, Ohio could be fun. Wyoming's rocking yellow uniforms this game, which I'm not really excited about, but you know, we got the Josh Allen jersey. We'll be rocking that tomorrow. Clemson, Tennessee could be fun. Uh ooh, Mississippi State, Illinois, two complete polar opposites of teams. But you know what? That could be that could make for an interesting outing. LSU Purdue. LSU's a 14 and a half point favorite in this game. But Purdue can score. Purdue can score. It just matters which Aiden O'Connell shows up in this game. And Penn State-Utah is going to be a very, very fun game. But my fav- my two favorite games are Tulane-USC and then that Ohio State-Georgia game. I think they'll be very fun. But obviously, fail in- pale in comparison to Iowa and Kentucky. Obviously. God. Oh, my goodness. I love uh, This is fun. This is absolutely fun. This is, a- this is such a joy. This is such a joy. Now, uh... With that being said, I've got one more thing I kind of want to touch on real quick, and that is um, people are randomly dropping their uh, United States World Cup squads for 2026. And I'm going to just speed through this. I don't really want to spend too much time on this because it could take a while. But uh, Hercules Gomez dropped his. I've seen some other uh, lists pop up. But uh, here's my 26. And I don't know if they're going to bring 25 or 26 players to the, the World Cup. But here is my – like, I'll go over each player – that was in, con- in consideration, and then I'll cho- tell you who I ended up choosing. So we got, for goalkeepers, Ethan Horvath, John Polskamp for Sporting Kansas City, Gaga Slonina, Slonina, sorry, at Chelsea, Zach Steffen and Matt Turner. I think Turner's obviously going to go. I think Slonina's going to go. And then you got a conversation between Steffen and Horvath. If you're talking about 
the best three goalies they have. Stefan would be involved there. But I don't know if he's going to want to be involved or not because there was a whole situation with this World Cup. I would bring Stefan. I would bring Zach Stefan over Horvath. And I think those, Slonina, Stefan, and Turner, I think those are the best three goalies. By the time 2026 rolls around, I think those should be the guys. Right back, and Turner obviously starting. Right back, you got Reggie Cannon, Serginio Dest, Jack Moore, Brian Reynolds, who's kind of been forgot about, but I, I want to bring him up in this, and Joe Scaly. I don't think we're going to be seeing as many right backs this time around. Uh, Destin Scaly will go. Destin Scaly, or, or, I would be very surprised if they go. I would love to see Brian Reynolds get back in form somewhat because he left FC Dallas to go to Roma, and now he's over in Resterlo, which Lord knows where that is. I know I have no idea where that is. So I would just want to see him back in the team somewhat. You can put Justin Shea in there. I have him at center back, but he can play right back, and I have him in the squad anyways, but he's – we could talk about him in a little bit. Reggie Cannon, I like Reggie Cannon a lot, but and Shaq Mort, he ain't gonna go. But Scaly and Dest, I think those are the top two guys by far. And then center backs, uh, Carter Vickers will go. We already brought up Justin Che, Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, and then Austin Trusty. Austin Trusty is currently at Birmingham City with Arsenal. He's on loan at Birmingham City from Arsenal. I don't know how realistic it is that he breaks in the Arsenal first team because you look at what their strengths are. Like they're pushing Ben White one of the best center backs in the Premier League, to right back, just to fit in their center back partnership of Gabriel and William Saliba. Now, Gabriel is the most error-prone out of the one out of those three. And then you look at Tommy Asu, who can also play at center back somewhat. He plays mostly at right back. But I, it'd be hard for him to break in. It's kind of like Cameron Carter-Vickers when he was at Tottenham. And it's going to be very hard to break in, because at the time when Cameron Carter-Vickers was at Tottenham, like they had Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld. Like they had options at center back. And they have options now. Like, you look at Eric Dyer, look at Christian Romero. Like, they've got other options there at center back still at Tottenham. Now, Cameron Carter-Vickers is obviously doing very, very well at Celtic. He's been captain at Celtic for a couple games. One of the best, probably the best ball-playing center back the United States has. Chris Richards is the most talented center back they have. He'll definitely go, if healthy. And Miles Robinson, I think, if we're talking about the best center back the United States has, I think he is the best. Just, he tours Achilles. He's going to get a move to Europe at some point. But he's the best center back the United States has. And then Justin Che, I think, his versatility in regards to playing right back and center back. He's at Hoffenheim right now, but we'll see where he goes in the summer. But I think those are your four your five, four or five options for center back. And then others were like uh, Mark McKenzie, Eric Palmer Brown, James Sands at Rangers. Those are all be mentioned up there as well. There's obviously some others that I probably forgot about, but those are the main ones. Uh, left back, we have George Bello, Dewan Jones, uh, Kevin Paredes, Anthony Robinson, John Tolkien, and uh uh, Sam Vines. We also got Jonathan Gomez as well. I went with um, with uh, Anthony Robinson and John Tolkien from uh, New York Red Bulls. I think Anthony Robinson's pretty unchallenged at the left-back spot at this point in time. I think Kevin Paredes could definitely break into there, but John Tolkien will definitely get a move at some point away. He's at New York Red Bulls right now. He'll go somewhere over in Europe. You saw Sam Vines leave Colorado to go over to uh, to Antwerp in Belgium. You saw George Bell leave Atlanta United to go to Armenia Belfeld in Germany. So, We've got the United States, their young players that are leaving the MLS to go somewhere in Europe. I think John Tolkien will be right there behind him. But Robinson, I think, is the best option still. He'll be He's the best option now. I think he should still be the best option by the time the 2026 World Cup rolls around. Defensive midfield, we got Kellen Acosta. I think he'll still be involved in the team. Tyler Adams, Johnny Cardoso, and Eric Williamson. A lot of people like Eric Williamson. I like him as well at Portland. But I'm going to go with Tyler Adams. Obviously, he's the captain. And then Johnny Cardoso, uh, he's going to get a move. It sounds like somewhere in Italy. So that would be a very interesting move for him. He's currently at Internacional down in Brazil. I love Kellen Acosta, but I think once Johnny Cardoso starts getting more consistent play time, 
I think he'll break into the squad. I think he'll be the option right behind Tyler Adams. Uh, central midfield, I got Taylor Booth at Utrecht, Gianluca luca Busio at Venezia, Caden Clark, New York Red Bulls, he'll get a move away somewhere, Luca De La Torre, uh, Richie Ledesma, who we don't know if he's going to commit to the U.S. or go to Mexico, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Paxton Pomichol at FC Dallas, and Tanner Tessman at Venezia. Him and uh, Gianluca Busio went to Venezia a few summers ago. Uh, I'm going to go with, obviously, Musa McKinney, the two best center, back, center mids the United States has. And then I'm going to go with Luca De La Torre. Obviously, didn't play a lot in this World Cup due to injuries and inconsistent club time. And I'm going to go with Taylor Booth. I like Taylor Booth a lot. Taylor Booth, while playing in the Eredivisie, since uh, uh, the United States World Cup action has been on play, he was the Eredivisie Player of the Month or Young Player of the Month or something. He's been balling out for Utrecht. He'd be a nice backup to Weston McKinney. So we'd have Luca De La Torre back up Musa. we have Booth back up Weston McKinney. I think that'd be very good options there. I like Paxton Pomichol. He's been a captain of the United States at underage levels in the past, but I'm going to go with Booth. And there. And Ledesma, I think talent-wise, could definitely be up there, but he's not playing consistently for PSV, and he hasn't decided between the United States and Mexico. He's been toying with each, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, right wingers, or just wingers in general, I guess we could just all mold these all into one because they, they could play, each of these guys can play on both sides. Uh, Paxton and Brendan Aronson, the Aronson brothers. So Paxton just, he's leaving Philadelphia Union for Eintracht Frankfurt in January. Then we've got, uh, Cade Cowell, Cowell, sorry, Cowell, for San Jose Earthquakes. He'll get a move over to Europe at some point. Jordi Mihailovic, he can play as a number 10. He can play as a winger. He's currently at, uh, Montreal up in the MLS at Canada, but he's getting a move to Isaac Alkmaar over in the Eredivisie. So we'll see how that move goes for him. we got Christian Pulisic, obviously. we got Giovanni Reina, uh, Malik Tillman. For Rangers, he just scored a goal again yesterday, I believe it was, on loan from Bayern Munich. The Tim Weah and then Alejandro Zanedas, Zendeas, sorry, for Club America down in Mexico. Uh, I think this one's relatively straightforward. I could be a little bit wrong about this, but I, I think it's straightforward. I'm going with Reyna, Weah, Aronson, Brendan, Pulisic, and Tillman. So I got, we got five there because I think the versatility there, you've got Reyna, Aronson, and Tillman who can all play in the central midfield while also playing on the wing. I think versatility is key. Pulisic can play in the midfield, and he has done for Greg Berhalter in the past, but like when Berhalter first came up, Berhalter had him playing in the midfield. The midfield three for the United States when he first got called up, you look at the 2019 Gold Cup, was um, something along the lines of like Trapper Bradley at the number six, and then McKinney and Pulisic as the number eights. Like free eights. Pulisic being allowed to move forward a little bit more. Now McKinney's kind of taking over that role with Musa being the more box-to-box style of midfielder. But I think that versatility is key there. Tim Way is not a natural winger, natural right winger, more direct than everybody else. Has more goal-scoring touch there as well. But I think those are your best options there. I think Paxton could definitely break into the team. Jordy Mihailovic could break in now that uh, Berhalter's gone. He played really, really well in the MLS for Montreal the past couple seasons, so I think it makes sense to put him in there. But uh, we're going to have a miss out here. And then strikers, uh, we have uh, Flair and Balligan, who's currently at Rems over in France. He plays for Arsenal. He's on loan there. Uh, Daryl DK, Ricardo Pepe, Josh Sargent, Haji Wright, and Brandon Vasquez at Cincinnati. Uh, we're going to go with Bulligan for Arsenal, Ricardo Pepe, and Josh Sargent. Now, Bulligan has not announced anything about if he's playing for the United States or not. Everybody's assuming that he's going to decide to play for the United States. We'll have to wait and see on that. If he doesn't, I would probably lean towards DK. If they want to go with the same strategy that Burhalter played for this World Cup, you have that one physical striker, you have the tireless striker, and then you have the versatile striker, or the, the 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 I don't know what you want to call it, but like Pepe will be that like Ferreira. I would hope he plays more because he's better than Ferreira. And then we got Sargent, who's currently the number one option for the United States at this point in time, but Pepe's on his heels. And then Balogun, 
We'll see if he's number one. He scored a goal today for Rems. So we'll see if he if he decides to come. We'll see that will definitely add some pressure there. But DK has been playing very well for West Brom. Obviously, Haji Wright's playing really well for Antillaspor. Brandon Vasquez, we'll see if he gets a move from FC Cincinnati anytime soon. He's best friends with Christian Pulisic. Much like Haji Wright. It could be a big thing there. But uh, Haji just he scored a goal in the World Cup, but it just wasn't anything that was Wow, that was awesome. So those are my that's my 26. Hypothetically, if that's what they end up doing for 26 or 23. Uh, but here's the squad again. We got Selena, Sonina, Stefan and Turner, Net, Destin Scaly at right back, Carter Vickers, Justin Shea, Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, and uh, Austin Trusty at center back, Anti Robinson, John Tolkien at left back, Tyler Adams, Johnny Cordoso at number six, a defensive midfielder, Luca De La Torre, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa at center mid. And Taylor Booth. I skipped Taylor Booth. At center mid. Giovanni Reyna, Tim Weah, Brandon Aronson, Christian Pulisic, Malik Tillman at wings, Balogun, Pepe, and Sargent as the striker options. And then you're starting 11. If it started right now, it would be Turner at center back, or at center back, a goalkeeper. Dest at right back. Richards and Robinson at center back. Robinson on the left, because that's where he's, when he, before he got hurt, the center back partnership was Walker Zimmer on the right, Robinson on the left. Now, Richards has played quite a bit on the left, but I think that's more of to, to do with Zimmerman being so right-footed. But we'll see what they do there, but that's probably your best center-back pairing right now. I could see Carter Vickers breaking in there as well, but I think that's your best two at this point. Win healthy. Robinson at left back, uh, midfield three, do not change that. Adams, McKinney, Musa, don't change that. And the front three, Rayner, Awea, don't matter which one on the right, and then Sargent and Pulisic as the – Pulisic on the left, Sargent through the middle at this point. If it started today, that's why I would do it. With everybody healthy, but that's uh, that's the team I would choose. This is not anything because the United States doesn't have a manager. So it's not even like, oh, this is what this manager would choose. No, this is what Logan Blackman would choose. It's what Logan would choose. And uh, I think it's a good team. It's it's not like insane. It's not going to be insanely different because everybody knows, like, the United States currently, they're, a lot of their best players are barely going to be 25 when the 2026 World Cup kicks off. Like you're gonna have so many players from this current squad that make it in the 2026 squad, but just add improvements to that. So players like Dest, Scaly, Carter Vickers, um, keep going, Robinson, Adams. I should just go down to my predicted squad. say so we got Turner, Dest, Scaly, Carter Vickers, Richards would have made it, but he got hurt. Robinson, Adams, De La Torre, McKinney, Musa, Reyna, Wea, Sergeant, Aronson, Pulisic. Since so what, 14 players that are currently on the squad that you would expect to make it again? And that's going without, like, Robinson would have made it had he not tore his Achilles. Richards would have made it, made it if he had he not been injured going into the World Cup. So, like, there's other players that would have made the squad. I don't know what the situation with Stefan was, but Stefan should have made the squad. Malik Tillman, I thought, should have made the squad as well. So, like, Pepe should have made the squad. So there's players that should have made the squad or were hurt going into the World Cup that didn't make it, and it just caused a bunch of ruckus and stuff like that but that is my predicted way too early stupid early 2026 uh fifa world cup squad prediction i hope it meets your liking i hope it um i hope you liked it because <laughs> obviously it's going to be completely accurate 100 completely accurate the entire time leaving in 2026 is going to be the exact same team because there's the thing is there's going to be players that are going to be in the squad that no one's ever heard of until like two years down the line like, did anybody think Julian Green was going to play for the United States in 2014 when the World Cup ended in 2010? No. No, 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 no. No one thought that. 
Not a single person thought that. Hell, did people think the United States would miss the World Cup when they made it out of the quote-unquote group of death in 2014? No. Like, things changed throughout the years. Deli Alley going from England's Wonder Boy to being out of the squad and playing over in Turkey. Did anybody predict that? No. No one predicted that. So it's like these things change over time, so it's it's not going to be accurate by any stretch of the imagination. I would be surprised this is half right, to be honest. I, and I don't even know if they're bringing 26 or 23. I haven't seen the announcement. I would just keep 26. I liked the 26-man squad, but, like, it's it's not going to be accurate. It's like doing a draft, like, now. It's not going to be accurate at all because the teams are going to change. Like, you look at the mock draft now. We said it before the show. Look at the mock draft that we posted on the 16th. That order two weeks ago is completely different than what it is right now. Completely different. Like, your top five teams in that draft were the Texans, Bears, Seahawks, Lions, and Eagles. Right now, the top five of the draft, now the top three is the same, but you got the Cardinals and Colts mixed in there as well. And the Panthers could win the friggin' division this if they win out. So this thing's going to change a little bit. Squad's going to change. Players are going to get hurt before the World Cup. Players are going to get falling out the manager. Things happen all the time. Players that we, like John Brooks, could be back into the squad. Because you look at Tim Ream, Tim Ream was old when he made this World Cup, his first World Cup, 35 years old. John Brooks will be 33 in 2026 or something like that. So there's options for older players to get back in the squad or players that fell out of favor with Burhalter that get put back in favor by the next manager, whoever the hell that is. I don't know who it is. I don't even have an inkling on who the next manager is going to be. I don't think it will be Burhalter, but whoever the hell it is, we'll have to wait and see. Now, uh, before we end the show, that's pretty much all I've got for you. I want to say RIP to Pele. He is was the first considered greatest of all time. When you're growing up playing soccer, the first name you really hear is Pele. I had a Pele shirt when I was a kid. It wasn't anything like amazing. Like you look at Brazil's World Cup kits from those like the 1958 World Cup, it looked like that. There was nothing really on it. It said Pele 10 on the back and I think there was a 10 on the front. Like that was it. But Pele is one of the if not the player you first hear about when you start kicking a ball around. And 82 years old, died of colon cancer, as far as, as from what I've heard. But a uh, sad day. Sad day. Now, him and Maradona, like Maradona once said, play football together in the sky. We're hoping that's what they're doing right now. But one of the greats, if not the greats. I, I, I think Lionel Messi is the greatest player of all time. There's obviously players gonna, people that are going to think Pele is the greatest of all time. The only player to win three World Cups. Though he didn't play in the final in the second one, but he, he was hurt. But he did play in the World Cup. So the only player with three World Cups, I believe. One of the great, again, one of the greats holds a bunch of goal-scoring records that have called into question under some. But, yeah, sad day in the world of soccer. Sad, sad day. But, uh, yeah, I do hope you enjoyed the show. And I will see you all later. Enjoy your New Year's Eve. Enjoy New Year's. And I'll see you all next year. <laughs> Peace.